G'day everyone, this is Rock Capital, we are back, my name is Stefan. And I am Reese McKenzie, yes. glad to be back. Reese is back to those new, this is a, oh, I'm losing my voice, that's, that's definitely new. <coughs> this is a podcast where we talk about the Rock Capital, which is Melbourne, mostly about rock and roll, and sometimes we talk about the culture of Melbourne. Rock and roll! Yeah, well this is only episode two, so it's not completely defined. Reese. Yes. Angry Anderson's son of Rose Tattoo has been killed in an alleged assault and Angry Anderson and Rose Tattoo were on tour when this happened. So I do want to express our condolences to Angry Anderson and his family. Yeah. That's really sad. I've seen Angry Anderson perform with Rose Tattoo opening for Slash and they came out and performed uh, Nice Boys because Guns N' Roses covered that song. And Angry Anderson came out to perform for it, which was pretty awesome. I've never seen Angry Anderson myself, but what would you say was, like, a great thing about Rose Tattoo? A great thing? Yeah. Um, look, to be honest, I don't know a lot. I'm, I'm going to say I'm the biggest fan I, of I them, can, as yeah. in, like, I don't haven't listened to their songs that much. But, you know, they were highly influential. Well, they are still highly influential, especially when... Me- you know, maybe Guns N' Roses would have sounded different if it wasn't for them. Mm. But, you know, they're kind of like one of those bands that are kind of hanging in the shadows now because I guess I haven't really gone on board with modern technology and kind of pushing social media and all that stuff and touring internationally. No, they're not present in social media, um, which I guess is a, not really good, but it's also, it's all right because, you know, they pop up every so often via word of mouth. Yeah. And as opposed to hearing about them every day, like Metallica or Beatles. Well, maybe because people don't think that he's around, because a few years ago, I think at the NRL Grand Final, Shannon Noll performed one of his songs. Okay. It's just like, why would you not ask Angry Anderson to do it? Did you watch that Grand Final, that infamous Grand Final performance by Angry Anderson back in the 90s? No. All right. Let me paint the picture for you, Stefan. You ready for this picture? Okay. In 1990, this was a time when they were trying to convince... Um, to have the Olympics in Australia, okay? So what they did was they did a very, um, well, at the time it was a very sort of um, immaculate sort of opener. So they made a car dedicated to the AFL. Yes. And they call it the, it's sort of like close to the Batmobile. Yep. It was that ridiculous. And then Angry Anderson performed Edge of Glory, his solo song. Nice. And unfortunately, he was lambasted for that song. Why? The crowd claims he shouted the song. <laughs> so, that's how I know Angry Anderson musically, unfortunately. I've listened to that performance. It doesn't sound like he's shouting, okay? But I think, like, just... It was a bizarre moment in the AFL. Is that it's the on- way the song goes? Like, him yelling it? No, 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 no. Like any song, you sing it, right? Yeah. But... I think that's how Angry Anderson sings. He's got a high-pitched, you know... Well, that's true, because you've seen him in Houses, obviously. Yeah, so. he plays the tough guy. That's his sort of, like, you know, his go-to character. Yeah, and he's got that little deep voice, but, like, when you go to the show and he's doing that really high voice and he's we talking can't like... We can't be made, You know, that's sort of like... Yeah. But this performance, it just... it I don't understand. Like, he wasn't shouting. It, it, it was a loud performance. Maybe that's what people were thinking. But, yeah, you could see a lot of people in the audience are like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, well, I will say that um, 
that time that I saw Slash was probably one of the least impressive shows oh, I've really? seen. What, what do you mean? What it wasn't happened? anything to do with Rose Tattoo. They were pretty good, but what? it was Slash. I don't even know why. You ever just see a band and it just seems like they're kind of having an off or a boring night? Because I've seen Slash perform probably like three or four times by now. And, and, you, and you've noticed uh, a dramatic change from that performance to the rest? Yeah, the other ones were better. You know, the first time I saw them at Soundwave, they were great. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, I think that same... I can't remember which Soundwave th- that was, but that was when Slash released his first solo album was performing. Then I think the next year, or maybe the year before, Alter Bridge performed, and I thought they were really boring. Oh. And then... <laughs> I thought you were going to say they were really good, and, but and then really a couple boring. Of, a couple of years later, I think at the Soundwave that we went to, the one with Metallica and Linkin Park, Alter yeah. Bridge were there, weren't they? Or it could have been a different year. I you can't know, remember, I, honestly. I, there were so many people at that lineup, I could not tell you if they were. But I know Offspring were there. Yeah, so they missed re- them for Metallica. They returned on a couple of years later, and I watched them, and they were a thousand times better, even though it was, you still sound wave. And I don't even know why they, they sounded much better. Also, the first time I saw Molly Crew, also not a good show. Oh. But then when I saw it, again, you were there when we saw him at Kiss. It was really good. It was much better. Yeah, I thought... Motley Crue were better than Kiss. Yeah. So, and we may have the opportunity to see Kiss again, but for the last time. Don't know if I would bother, though. Uh, I don't know either. Because I just... Not because they're bad, it's just that sometimes you can't be bothered. We've already seen the band and you've got to spend the money. Yeah, and they're going to probably pu- push up the price because it's a farewell tour. Yeah, no doubt. I've seen Slash three or four times. First time it sounded really good that time. That solo show with Rose Tattoo, not quite as good, and I don't know why. You know what I'd say is um, always increasingly good before um, Foo Fighters. The first time I saw Foo Fighters was with you. We got the worst seats in the world because the sun was always in our face. Yes. And then there was that band at the beginning we didn't like. It was like a two-piece. No, it wasn't a two-piece. It was the one after the two-piece. It was the hardcore punk band. That were critically, oh, I were, remember. Uh, language warning. They're literally called Fucked Up. Yeah. They were a hardcore punk band. Um, basically, what happened was the singer decided to go into the crowd. And this is Amy Park, bear in mind. And he, it just was like, where do we put our attention to now? Because he's in the crowd and he's in the crowd for like two songs worth. And, and he's was, sticking plastic um, cups to his face, which yeah, is just he, weird. You know, they've changed their sound. They've gone to indie rock now. I think. Okay. Yeah, it's a dramatic might change. Might be better, I guess. But, but anyway, that like I thought every time I see the Foo Fighters, they get better and better because the last time we saw them was for the Concrete and Gold album. Yes. And that stage, and and they were with Weezer. Yes, uh, Weezer, and that was great. And that was great. And the stage they had for the Foo Fighters was absolutely magnificent. I thought, th- and the performance itself was really good. And the second, uh, the one before that was for the um, Sonic Highways tour. And that was a good show. And as that was well. a good show. But all. All the performances were good from Foo Fighters. It's just that I prefer to be close up, like we were for the last show. No, definitely. I can't remember which one I would rate the highest. I'd say the last one was the best. Because uh, they had so many songs. They played so many songs, at least. I remember liking the Sonic Highways tour one a lot as well. Yeah. But yeah, all their shows have been good. And, you know, just sometimes bands are just not as good. And, you know, Rose Tattoo, I think we're better than Slash on that night. Okay. So I would like to have seen them because I think Angry Anderson was on tour while this tragedy did unfold. Stefan, speaking of gigs, we saw one on Thursday night where yes. we got, we're going to talk about today. We're bringing back Def Leppard. And it's probably not going to be the last time they're going to appear on this podcast. <laughs> we have two more times that they'll probably appear. So they yeah, have yeah, a Christmas yeah. single out. 
which we might talk about, and a Christmas special. Yes. And then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame next year. I oh, assume... So they'll get in. I assume they're going to get in. If not, we'll probably talk about it anyway because they're one of the bands that definitely deserve to be in. So to paint the picture of the gig, um, I was about to <clears throat> get on the train to go to Rod Laver and I get told that um, the Scorpions, who were meant to be the other act that night, were uh, pulled out because Klaus had um, unfortunately lost his voice. And I was really deeply saddened by this. I was looking forward to seeing the Scorpions, but unfortunately doctors recommended Klaus not sing that night. Saw this uh, tweet where someone's... I showed it to you. Oh, yeah, this you showed it, just this like, absolute twig. He's, he's just probably the most... Um, Title little prick I've ever I've ever seen. Like he's just going. Yes, you, he's you, like Klaus. Just just a, f- a few hours before the show, I've come all the way. I've been waiting years to see the Scorpions. Poor form, mate. Poor form. And I'm just thinking, this guy is he's like seventy years old. Klaus is like seventy years old, and he's touring Australia, and he's playing in a hard rock heavy metal band. Yeah. You should be just impressed that the seventy-year-old man is able to do any show and still have that voice. You know that operatic, cinematic, pragmatic voice. Yeah, they just don't stop. Like they're like the Rolling Stones. Really, yeah, they keep going until yeah. well, until the apocalypse. Yes, and so I'm obviously, obviously, we're both bumped out about it yeah, because so- I was really looking forward to it because. Scorpions have only performed in Australia. So they've been around for about 50 years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, 40 to 50 years. And... They've only performed here once. Once, and it was in Melbourne. So technically, Melbourne got their Scorpions fix. A couple of, it was a few years ago. They, they were doing a stop because they were actually performing, I think, in some of the Pacific Island nations for some reason. Uh, and they just made a and quick And Japan, stop. maybe. And then they did a quick... Stop in Melbourne did a headline show, and these shows were support support for um, Def Leppard in all the capital cities. I'm pretty sure the major capital cities. Yeah, this would have been their first actual Australian tour, so I guess it's it's a bit of a bummer for those who I guess waited 40, 50 years to uh, to see them to see Scorpions. But you know what can you do? He was sick. A 70 year old man is t- told to rest his voice. Yeah, Can't be he's, surprised. He's like the the tweet that made a comment to that twig. That made that comment. It said, you know, the same point that you raised. He was 70, right? Mm. He's 70 in a hard rock. He's also had severe vocal problems since the 80s. Like, he had vocal cord surgery. He's had laryngitis. You know, he's still battling stuff. He's got to battle a lot of stuff. And, you know, he still has that voice after all the problems he's had. I'd say that's more than impressive, you know. Like, I think that's a guy that really does want to, you know keep up his job you know as you know one of the best musicians of all time maybe yeah and i've never seen them live i've never really seen like footage online so i don't know oh it's great they even 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 from today the sound of the scorpions live is just as good as it's on the the record basically even today even today jeez wow what's that secret so uh quickly they've they got a replacement band for the Scorpions, who, uh, Dallas Crane. Never I've never heard of him. Never heard of him. I wasn't. I didn't know what to expect. They're uh, just a straight up alt rock band from yep. Melbourne. They didn't do too bad. They didn't do too bad. But I think I really wasn't in the mood for any band other unless, than the Scorpions. Look, unless you, unless like you turned around and told me that I don't know, hey, Living End are 
are free. They're here. Oh, well, then if, everyone if, would have gone nuts. Yeah, if that had happened. But other than that, like, any, almost any other band, I would have just been like, <sighs> I don't care at this point. I can't be bothered. So but they you, did sound good. They did two covers. They did an ACDC, Let There Be Rock, and they did Led Zeppelin's um, Black, rock, Black Dog. No, it was Rock and Roll, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it was Rock and Roll, yeah. Um, I get those two mixed up all the time. <laughs> and, yeah, you look, look, they sounded good. Yeah. The guy had, um, you know, he was good with the crowd. And you know, I appreciate the, voice. I appreciate the fact that they rocked up with like five hours notice or something. Yeah, and they just just so happened to be in the area. Well, and they, so, they are from Melbourne. Yeah, they've been nominated for a few Arias. They had some success in the two thousands, but I'd never heard of them. Me either. And then, of course, Def Leppard came and ruled. It was awesome, man. Yeah, I um. You know, I, w- I didn't know what to expect because Def Leppard on that album, Hysteria, which they performed in its entirety, yes. I was expecting there was going to be some, you know, mistakes made. But it didn't sound like they made any mistakes performing that album. Even the harmonies. Like, it's so hard to do those vocal harmonies, especially in God of War. Like, I was expecting, you know, some fumbles, but there was nothing. And I was, it was seamless. I was. Uh, I haven't really seen many live videos of them performing, so I was wondering how they're going to able to sound like. Because they have that kind of, the way they do their backing vocals, like just if we go to the song, Run forever. It sounds kind of like Chipmunks or something. Yeah, I, I've kind of figured it out. So you got Joe Elliott, who's the main singer, right? Yep. And he does all like his stuff. Then you got three other members who do vocals live. You got the bassist Rick Savage. Vivian Campbell and Phil Collin on guitar. Yeah, I think R- Rick Savage has the high, the high voice, like the chipmunk voice, and he's also got like a voice that's had coarse and it's really high. So that's that. Uh, Phil Collin, I think, like you know, you know the song "Rocket," yes. like the main like chorus is like "Rocket," like yeah. he's got that power to him. He's like the metal dude, like the the sort of distorted guy. And then Vivian is sort of in between. You know. There is a lot of effects on that album. Oh, yeah, Just definitely. like in Animal, where it has that clap thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they they included that. I don't, was it, That wasn't part of the drums or anything. That was like an effect, right? I think it was, yeah, an effect. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm glad that, that was in there, because it's an album with a lot of effects. You kind of need the effects. And Woman was, was a good opener, but I think it really hit home once we got to Rocket. Things really got started. Yeah, I think, you know, they re- everyone knows Hysteria. Everyone knows all the songs, essentially. You know, I, I kept looking up. Even in, like, the deeper cuts of Hysteria, like Love and Affection, people still know the lyrics. Yes. Which is amazing, I think. And uh, if you guys uh, heard our last episode, we basically ranked the Hysteria album. Back and to back. Yes, we, we, did ra- we did rank it. And I'd like to change my ranking. Yes. I put um, Excitable Last and Don't Shoot Shotgun before that. I'd like to switch them over because I've heard Excitable live and it sounds so much better. So, Excitable is second last now and Don't Shoot Shotgun is last. I don't plan on changing mine, but I will say that I think Don't Shoot Shotgun did sound pretty good live. It did, but I, I just think it Excitable sounded much better live. Yes, and I think Excitable is high on my list. I think that was great. And uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me was, of course, good. It kind of didn't have, like... I think when they play the song live, they usually have, like, a kind of, like, an intro. Yeah. Extra intro. But I guess because they're playing the album, they just do it normally. I would have liked to have heard that. I think that's a song they would like, a bit of extra stuff. But, you know. After the Hysteria album, they took a break, and then they did a couple of songs after, like, the songs that 
people like maybe really wanted to hear. And it was only like five songs, I think. Yes. And then they, that was it. That was, the, that was the concert. And I remember we came down the stairs and there was this really drunk guy screaming at the top of his lungs. Encore, you bastards! And then Jaila was like, we'll be back. And like, no, no, encore! He started to cry. I remember that. <laughs> the dude was wearing a kilt as well. So I think, yeah, he really wanted a longer set. I must say that uh, um, the drummer's name is a Rick Allen. Yeah, Rick yes. Allen. He ha- he is the most British-looking person I've ever seen. <laughs> like he's the most. You know what I think? I think both- you know, he was wearing that the literally the Union Jack. He was wearing it like on these on his clothes. But also like you ever see like someone's face just by looking at their face? You're like yeah, that's definitely a British person. Okay, that's definitely an Irish person. You can just tell what country they're from just by looking at their face. He is the most British-looking person I have ever seen. He has a good voice. You've heard the um track we belong on the latest Def Leppard album uh well I don't really know which one who's who I can tell you it's this it's just after the first chorus that's his voice like it's the angelic voice of all of them basically and I think damn if only more songs were like that I think we're all band members sing imagine that if like all of Metallica sung all their songs like like that well, you got well, to focus on the band's strengths. Everyone has yeah. their own individual strengths. Ham- Kurt Hammer did say he can't sing. <laughs> well, he can't really. Yeah, Rob Rob does the backing vocals way better yeah. than he does. Yeah, yeah. And so did Jason back in the day. Um, now, the best... Let's let's go to the uh, highlights of the set. So, if we just yes. go back to the actual Hysteria album itself. Yes. I'm thinking Rocket was one of the best. So was Animal, Pour Some Sugar On Me. I loved Run Riot. Hysteria had this really mysterious quality. It's kind of a song when you listen to on the album, thinking, how are they going to play this live? And actually sounds a thousand times better live. And Excitable was fun as well. So I thought... That's your list? Yes, that's that's what I think about the uh, Hysteria set. Uh, I'd have to say I really enjoyed Animal. Yes. I really enjoyed Gods of War. Like, I loved the harmony exchanges there. Oh, I, su- I was supposed to write Gods of War. <laughs> And I loved Love Bites because they had this really cool strobe lights, like red strobe lights. I thought, it would, this is perfect for this song. Like, it it's such a slow ballad and it kind of needed that sort of, like, red, like, dark lighting. So, um, what else? Excitable, of course. Like, it, it, it popped itself back on the ra- rankings list. Um, Run Ride was really good live. And then, moving on from the album, I have to say Photograph the last song they did was really good. Yeah, I preferred... Uh, well, the action cover... The cover of action, oh, the action by The Sweet was great. And also Lex, Let's Get Rocked had oh, really yeah. good energy. And, Everyone knows Let's Get Rocked. And Love and Hate Collide. You know you know, the, you know, the great thing about smartphones, Reese, is that they're convenient. You don't have to take a lighter yeah. to a show... To, to it's an a different 80, shade. To an 80s rock concert now, you just... Take out your phone and put the light on. It, it looks better. I th- well, I don't know what looks better. Would you prefer yellow or white? You know, kind of like how people like vinyls for their authenticity. I think people would probably prefer lighters because, you know, they're authentic fire. Yeah. But uh, who cares? In the Who really cares? Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I looked around. There was heaps of lights on during Love and Hate Collide, which was a great performance, by the way. And we all knew and- the lyrics. Yes, and I don't know if I saw a single actual lighter. I think that no, that was all lights. phones. Yeah, but you know, just like clockwork, everyone knew this is the time. This is the ballad. Yeah, get your phones out. You wanted two steps behind, I think, as well. Yes, I wanted that song, but you know, you can't have everything. 
I don't know what song I wanted. Like, I would have liked something maybe from the late 90s, just one. Like, I know in that period they were sort of leaning more towards pop. You mean like, like slang? Was that a, Slang that or album? Promises or maybe even um, just just a deep track that sounded good that I've listened to, if that makes sense. All these 80s bands seem to have just like a black period. It's either like in the early 90s or the late 90s. I think for Def Leppard it was the late 90s. I guess during the new metal stuff they weren't really releasing... Uh, no, they weren't. Nah. They were trying to... Move towards pop, but I don't think it's their. Everyone looks down upon it as their like black period because they weren't selling enough. I think I, to be honest with you, I really liked their albums from that period because they were experimenting. I think much more with the slang album. I think they were experimenting. There's definitely like some sort of nineties feel to yeah, that album. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I haven't heard much, but that what that's what I've heard and uh yeah any other songs you would have liked to have heard i guess some of the classics you know bring on the, on the heartbreak yes actually and i would have liked something some songs from that album would have been nice like lady strange is a good one as have, well have you ever needed someone so bad another yeah. ballad fallen fallen yeah i would have loved fallen rock rock till you drop um and yes, I will, uh, as you mentioned, Gods of War before, which was the tribute to Steve Clark, and I almost forgot to mention that song, that's on my list, it was very good, it was kind of like a polite applause at the end, where the crowd, you know, I think, I, I feel like a lot of them really like that song, it's kind of like, you want to listen and kind of take in it, which is what I was doing, yeah. I think it was performed really well, it sounded really epic, it really, they really did justice to that song, I Yeah. Thought. but uh, overall, good concert, yeah, it was pretty good, pretty great. I yeah. would have liked to have been a bit closer because we had the shit, the shitty seats. I don't think they were too shitty. I mean, like, we've had worse. The foo- the first Foo Fighters gigs were the worst. All the time we saw the Eagles, which is we're literally on the side. Well, okay, they were literally on the side, but you could literally see Joe Walsh's top of the head. But you could see the screen enough to see what yeah, was we, going on. We couldn't see the screen of the Eagles. Yes, but, you know, we had shitty seats and, you know, it could have been worse because at least we got to see it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Scorpions will come back, but to be honest, I'm not going to hold my breath. Well, what if they're on the double act with someone you really, really, really like? If... Like, if they came with Bon Jovi? Well, yeah, but... You go see them? It's more like I'd rather them come back for a headline show. Oh, you want to see them? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense to me. Wouldn't you like to see them live? Yes, I would very much like to see them live. I now have more time to sort of delve deeper. Yes, because I, sh- I have a shit ton of music. No, I mean, they do. Oh, they but, uh But it's not on digital, like, streaming. Some of them, some of their albums are not on Spotify for some reason. All the, I think all, like, like, they're still yet to do some agreements, like, to get all the albums on Spotify or iTunes. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. Anyway, that's part two of our, I guess, our Def Leppard series. We'll come back again for the Xmas special and their Christmas song, and probably again when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame comes about. But overall, great concert. Go see Def Leppard live, especially if you like that album, Hysteria. It was great. Uh, I think I'd like to see them again, maybe. Depends on how much money I have at the time. We'll see. All right, so you had an idea. Oh, okay, here we go. Album rundown. Album Rundown. Uh, the album I've chosen for the Album Rundown is an album that a lot of people know, but a lot of people don't really like. Or not really don't like, they just don't understand. Would you say that's a bit of a fairer a comment to say about this album I'm going to talk about? Well, I think that is a fair, but also unfair, because maybe I don't understand it, but I also 
believe it is not a good album. Okay. So you say you more dislike this album than don't understand. Yes. Okay. So, um, this album that I'm talking about is Lulu, the 2011 collaboration project with Lou Reed and Metallica. And yes, I know. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. When it came out and that lead single came out, The View, people were very, very quick. Very quick. And I understand why The View is a tough song to get through. Because I listened to this album in its entirety recently, and my God. Well, it's It like, was tough. You, you want to know, because it's Lou Reed with Metallica. Yeah. So you're going to ask, what are Metallica going to bring to the table? And to the table, <laughs> they did. They brought the table. In fact, James, James Hetfield, Hetfield is the table. <laughs> he is literally the table. But, okay. Uh, essentially, if you don't know like why people hated it, they essentially hated it because they were Metallica fans and they were expecting a Metallica album, I think, because, you know, it sort of seemed like, oh, they're actually producing an album sooner than expected from Death Magnetic, which is their previous one. Yep. But... I think fans got a big shock when they sort of realized that who had more creative control over this album than Metallica? Lou Reed. Yeah, so a, this is it, this is um essentially a Lou Reed album. Yes, it's Lou Reed album featuring Metallica coming to the table. Coming to the table. And so I listened to it. Now the reason I decided to listen to Lulu is because um a lot of articles were coming up in like all the you know, music websites, Ultimate Guitar, Loudwire, about, like, the sessions that they had. And it's occurred to us that, you know, Lou Reed proved to be a little bit difficult during the sessions. Like, he nearly got into a fight with Lars Ulrich. What? Mm. Like, they nearly... First time I've heard this, actually. Yeah. But also, they, um, there was a story on Wikipedia about the production in which James Hetfield and Kirk Hammond had to walk out of uh, the Junior Dad session because they were very saddened by it. Now, Junior Dad is the last song on the album. The it only is, good one. And it's the longest song. It goes for 20 minutes, nearly. And most of it is just strings. It's mostly orchestra sort of stuff. It's only like eight or nine minutes of actual song, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. really... So when they perform- And it's quite good, actually. And then when they performed it live, that only a couple times, they only did 10 minutes of the song. And surprisingly, it's actually really good. It's a really good song. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe I need to listen to this album again. Now, I listened to this album before, back when it came out, just to think to myself, it can't be that bad. Well, I I sort of proved myself wrong. And it it was bad for me to listen at the time, so I just skimmed through it, not even bothering with the last track, because I thought, 20 minutes, I'm not going to get through this. But I actually got through Junior Dad very easily, because it's such... A good song. Yes. I think it's the, you know, the diamond in the rough. If that... Sort of yes. an Aladdin reference there. This 87-minute album... Has one gem. 20 minutes of it is really good. Trust me. If you listen to the rest of it, you must have found some other decent stuff, right? <sighs> I can defend one other song. Okay. It's the first song. I forget what it's called. Brandenburg Brandenburg Gate. Gate. Yes. It is the closest thing that gets to Junior Dad, but it still has that sort of uneasy feeling of the rest of the album, which I just, I had the same feelings for the rest of the songs. You said Ice Honey was probably one of the okay tracks. I only say that because it's got a good riff. It's got good guitars. 
Could you imagine Lulu if Lou Reed didn't sing on the album? If James Hetfield did it instead? Still Lou- would have been weird. Okay. What if, not like in the same fashion Lou Reed did it, but James Hetfield gave it his twist? Like I the don't same, know, same, same, same lyrics, right? Think of the same lyrics, uh, but just James Hetfield sung it instead of Lou Reed. Well, then it would still just sound exactly like The View with the I am the aggressor, I am the table, and it would just sound weird. I don't know. what it, I think Hetfield would have thought to himself that the vocal line should have followed the riff a little bit better as opposed to just spoken word, random vocal lines over, over like, heavy riffs, essentially. I don't know about that. <laughs> you don't know? Like, you don't think that he could have... If things were to go, that Lou Reed just said, I only want to write, I don't want to perform. No, it, I mean, they've done this kind of thing before with St. Anger where they made a crap album, so... What makes you, you think, think that singing anger is a crap album? Yeah. Here, okay, this is why I think it. Here's a good way for me to prove my point it is a bad album. All right. So. It's a word. I have a family member yes. who you know, Reese, but uh, I won't name him in the podcast, obviously. All right. So he's actually a fan. When I first got uh, Death Magnetic back in the day, I used to put it on my, on my phone, which was a Nokia phone. All right. And uh, just play uh, The Day It Never Comes and that sort of stuff in the car. And the family member really enjoyed the song. He was like, yeah, this is great. Love it. And then, you know, I was just driving with him once and uh, I was given a copy, I, I was lended a copy by another Metallica fan who is a, said, St. Anger is a good album. Just listen to it. So I'm like, okay. He gives me the album. I put the CD into the car. Uh, my family member is driving and he starts, the song, the song, the album would start playing and he would actually just skip to the next track. And then he would skip it again. He was like, I haven't heard a single song that I like. I hadn't even told this person that there was a Metallica album. <laughs> they, 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 didn't, they didn't really know any better. All they heard was, I've never really seen them just randomly skipping a track on a CD just because they're like, oh, I don't like any of this. So there you go. So someone who likes Death Magnetic does not like Saint Anger at all. Um, and I'm starting to like a couple of tracks on Saint Anger. Like, there is one or two. Yeah, there's like, I love Saint Anger. That's a great song. I, I agree, and that in Frantic. Um, and All Within My Hands is a good track. I can't remember that one. Uh, it's, uh, I understand, like, Metallica do have this... Exp- like, every right has, everyone has exp- the right to experiment. Yes. Um, sometimes it's a, it's, it's a brave thing. Like, especially with Lulu, it was a brave thing to do, but did it work? For me, like, for Junior Dad, that was probably the most successful collaboration point of the album. The most successful. That's true. But apart from the first track, I think if they did things a certain way, it would have worked better. I think. Like maybe doing an EP instead of a double album? Maybe. Maybe just put the one song out and that's it. But... uh, I'm sure if there's It's a tough topic, you know what I mean? Like, it's a tough topic to talk about because... Do I defend it? Do I don't? I can defend it for Junior Dad. That's all I defend it for. But I can't defend it for the rest of the album. Yes, if they have a 90-minute album, I'm sure they can cut it down to a 20-minute EP. You know, they could have Junior Dad, maybe one or two more songs that aren't crap and, you know, cut it down. And, it, you know, you might have found some interesting stuff in there. So, what the, the point I'm going to make yes. is that, yes, Lulu is a very difficult album. Yes. But give Junior Dad a go. 
No, I will. I will agree with that. I do like that song. Okay, because it is a very somber song. It's a very sad song. It's a v- and Lou Reed is actually singing on this on this song in key in time. So I I recommend giving it a go because it's actually it made it's nearly it nearly made me cry. Like because if you look at the lyrics, they sort of make sense. Hang on. So for the rest of the album, right? You uh, you said you like the first song. Yeah, bit, yeah. But wait, what about the rest of it? Uh, uh, as I said, everyone has the right to experiment, but uh, look, it was just difficult. It was it was difficult to sort of like sit and say to myself, okay, just just come on, just give it a chance, give it a second chance. Like you, because I know you've already listened to it the first time, but just just sit and listen. And and about five minutes into the view, I'm on solitaire already. Just sort of like I can't I can't do this. But I, I'd said to myself, I'll listen to the whole album just to make sure that there is no other song that I like. And unfortunately, I, I couldn't find a song. Oh, I thought there was supposed to be like a bit of a positive message to this. But you're, what you're basically saying is that there is one good song on this album, Junior yeah, Dad. I- Give it a go. The first song, Bra- uh, Brandenburg Gate, is also good. The rest is a bit difficult that's what I'm getting. Yeah, that's 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 basically what I'm. I I, I know it kind of sounded like I was going to defend the whole album, but I. <sighs> I thought this was going to be like album some album defense force series. Nah, uh, this is my personal sort of take on Lulu. It is a defense, that, okay? Because you know, usually with bad albums, not saying that you know, it's it's a wholly bad album, but you can I think have, it is. It's you can find gems on bad albums like. You know, there's certain points where you just skip past the crap and then you just find that one good one, that one good song on the album. That is Junior Dad, and it goes for 20 minutes. So that's a big chunk of the album that I can that I can defend. Uh, Bra- Brackenberg Gate, is that what it's called? Brandenburg Gate. Brandenburg Gate, I can defend just a little bit. The rest of the album, I probably shouldn't. So I Am The Table... Not a fan. You're no. not on board the table? No, I'm not on board with the table. As a matter of fact, if you get a certain guest on this show, he will defend this album, whether yeah. you're ready for it. Yes, there is uh, one potential guest we might have on the pipeline, but we'll talk about that another time. Yes. Maybe when he's actually on, we'll talk yes, about it. Yes, yes, and when you, you went... Oh, <laughs> I wonder what he has to say. Yes. Let's just say, I haven't shat on this album. I've, I've defended some of it, okay? He's probably going to say... <laughs> That I've completely shat over the whole album, but I've given it some heft. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I'm looking. I guess we have a. We have something. We're going to have a part two of Lulu. I guess if it's a double album, why not have a part two? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm just going to have a quick look at my Spotify list and see what I've been listening to lately. Which, by the way, the Lulu album does not seem to be on Spotify. It isn't? No, I had a look and I couldn't find uh, it. What have you been listening to? Me? Oh, well, let me have a look because I do have Spotify. Oh, I have uh, two family members who saw Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie based on Queen. Not the movie based on Freddie Mercury because it's actually, it seems to be, you know, I guess they didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to be... Oh. They didn't want the movie to be the Freddie Mercury movie. It's the Queen movie. Can I talk about the movie? Because I did see it. Oh, you did see it. Okay, well, I'll tell you the the two family members that saw it really liked it. And they recommended I go see it. Can I give a review? Yes. How long can I go for? We'll make this... I haven't seen it yet, so make this a quick spoiler-free review. 
Well, you can't really spoil a movie that's <laughs> okay. That's look, a story that's already that's happened. Story. Okay, so look, you can spoil it by all means. I'll start with a positive. Rami Malek and the cast are seamless. Yes. They're perfect. I think they encompass their characters very well, especially the band members. Uh, so, Gwilym Lee plays Brian May, Ben Hardy plays uh, Roger Taylor, and Joseph Mazzarello plays John Deacon. And they were absolutely magnificent as Queen. Um, as for the rest of the film, um, I have to say they could have... I think, like, as for a PG version of the film and, like, a basic sort of, like, understanding of Queen, it's okay. But I wish they were more accurate. I, and I wish they could have maybe delved in deeper and more so into the history of Queen because it's a bit inaccurate. It's actually... It's pretty... A little bit, like, noticeable. Inaccurate. But, okay, so let's talk about the inaccuracy, though. The inaccuracies. Okay, so... So, obviously, they took liberties with the truth, then. Was it worth it to make... Was to make the movie a bit more entertaining? Because sometimes... Okay, look, for instance, there was a lot of great melodrama, basically. And it all happened in one place at one time. When I sort of think those kinds of... They have a meeting and it's sort of like, Freddy's like, I'm going solo. And it's like, no, but you're a prick, Freddy. It's like all these sort of big sort of calls made in one meeting as opposed to like it happening over time. And that didn't happen. Like they weren't very angry about, you know, him going solo because technically he wasn't quitting the band. He was just doing his own thing. And they were supportive of that. But in the movie, they're, they're like very hateful of that. And also they proposed that certain songs were done in a certain time that didn't really... It wasn't really written. They said, like, in the early... Say, 1971, they wrote Fat Bottom Girls, which was written in 1978. Oh. Yes. Okay, that's a bit weird. And in 1981, they wrote... Oh, actually, no, that's not that inaccurate. It's just... Oh, it's it's a bit frustrating. The little itty-bitty inaccuracies and the dramatic liberties as well. So how does it handle... Fre- well, two questions. One, how does it handle Freddie's death? And number two, there's a kind of... Rend- become this just queen movie where it just talks about the rest of the band but it's not really interesting or okay to answer your first question they don't deal with freddie's death like it's not shown they proposed that um freddie found out he had aids just before the live aid concert you know the live aid concert yes but in real life freddie didn't know he had aids until later in his life so it it said freddie died of aids in 91 that's that's it they don't sort of depict that in any way shape or form I thought that if they just it goes from the start of Queen's history all the way to the Live Aid concert that's its historical span it doesn't do anything beyond that it doesn't cover anything which I thought was severely disappointing Uh, what was your second question? did they so they address his death quickly but did they go on to the rest of the band and what happened afterwards the aftermath so to speak? Freddie had the most characterization in this film than the rest of the band. Yes. And the rest of the band, maybe not Roger so much, because Roger, they portray Roger as this angry sort of, like, near antagonistic sort of person. But it felt like the rest of the band were just cardboard cutouts. Yep. Like, writing-wise. And the way they dealt with them for the aftermath, that's the thing. The There is so much more they could have addressed. Like, they could have addressed Freddie's struggle with AIDS. They could have addressed, you know, the band's struggle with Freddie's AIDS, you know. And maybe the band 
outside of Queen, but they only addressed Freddie in the movie. And but, I understand that because it's Freddie. You can't address Queen without addressing Freddie. But when after Freddie dies, how much of the movie talks about the rest of the band? Does the band does the movie kind of over at that point? Yeah, they don't look. Um, it ends at Live Aid, right? Yes. And then it says Freddie dies of AIDS in a caption, and then it says we've made this foundation for AIDS. Oh, that's okay. it. Nothing for the band. So, do you think that um, what's his name, um, Sasha Baron Cohen, would have been a better Freddie Mercury? He what he proposed was an R-rated version of this film, which he was more interested apparently in depicting Freddie's party lifestyle, which is addressed in this film, I must say. And I I got to uh, I got to bring up something. A lot of there was a couple of reviews that addressed the sort of story and how they thought that as soon as Freddie decides to come out with, you know, being this flamboyant sort of personality. Oh, now he's indulging in bad behavior, the drugs, the drinking, and the sort of, you know, the relations. And that was sort of after his marriage had ended with his friend Mary. I thought, no, it doesn't really depict him falling down character-wise because of his indulgences in, you know, his new sexuality. I don't think that at all, because it depicts... One of the good things of the film is it depicts a certain good hearty moment when he meets his future partner, Jim. And that's a point where, oh, that that's the point where the film says they accept, you know, his sexuality. You know, it's a good thing because they're connecting. And it's a good thing because Freddie's happier because he's met his life partner, basically. Yes. So I think reviews like that are really, you know, ridiculous. Like, it don't, I don't think this film is homophobic in any way. Give it a uh, out of five stars. What do you give it? Three. Three out of five. That's I think like better the, than average. I think the performance... I think because of the four performances, it overshadows all the film's mistakes. And it, believe me, it has a lot of mistakes. But the performances are top-notch. Top-notch, yeah. Freddie, I the mean... The singing is good. The the songs are performed well. The, oh, well, it's Queen, essentially. Yes, but... The, they don't sing on this, like... And you can tell the cast learned how to play their instruments. Yeah. Which is a, a plus for me. So the performances... Help the f- help raise the film over like a mistake-ridden film. And the guy playing Freddy sounds great as well. Yes. Okay. I guess you would recommend. So for Queen fans, go see it. For non-Queen fans, I mean, it's a cultural icon, so it's still worth a see. I guess everyone knows who Queen is. If you want to, if you want to see it, go see it. But for Queen fans, for like the ultimate Queen fans, you're going to be a bit frustrated with this film, I think, because of its inaccuracies. Okay, well, as long as you go and expecting a few liberties... Yeah, not... well, just more than a few liberties, I think. Okay. Earlier this year, I was seeing a movie every, every bloody week because, uh, you know, I just wanted to... Lately, I've barely seen any, even though I've wanted to, because I've been busy doing other stuff and prioritising other stuff. But next month, it's November... What's the date? It's November the 10th. It is Remembrance Day tomorrow, the centenary of uh, the end of World War One, And I just not really relevant at this point but you know lest we forget our troops but next month is december when all the movies will come out i'm gonna have to see a movie every week once again i don't know if i'll be able to see bohemian rhapsody the next biopic that's coming out is the elton john um biopic called um rocket man and guess what the lead actor who's playing um elton john is actually singing the songs who As is a, it it's taron edgerton from the kingsman film franchise yeah you know Taron Egerton 
Just, oh, really? Well, he's becoming this, and it looks rather amazing. So I'm looking forward to hearing their own renditions of Elton John's songs. All right. Well, maybe I will go see it, but maybe. we'll see what happens. Yes. Anyway, we are going to end this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Rock Capital Podcast about Ba-boom. rock music, Melbourne, and culture. Race came back for the second episode. I think we're going to have a different guest this next episode, but don't worry, Race will be back surely. And you can listen to us on the Mosh Pit on Sin, which is on Sin 90.7 FM, 8 to 11 p.m. on Thursday nights, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Or if it's not Daylight Savings, Australian Eastern Standard Time. That's in Melbourne, of course. Listen to your digital radio, too, and uh, all the TuneIn radio app. And also go to our Mosh Pit Backstage podcast, which is on iTunes. And also give this podcast, as well as Moshpit Backstage, five stars, subscribe, all that great stuff. Leave, leave us some feedback as well. I don't actually have the intro ready, but uh, it will probably be one of your band's songs, Reese. Oh, yes, and you've got to listen to our EP again to sort of determine a good song for the intro. Yes, assuming uh, your bandmates say yes. but I'm sure they will say yes. For those who may have listened to this whole thing and don't know who you are, Reese, who's your band? Well, thank you for asking, Stefan. Uh, this is a plug for the band Iscarian. A de- uh, we are a death metal band from Melbourne, and we play death metal. I think I've already mentioned that. Where can, can we ca- find you? You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram. Please check us out, Iscarian. I don't know what an Iscarian is, but if you have a better theory, please tell us. How do you Message spell Iscarian? E-S-C-A-R-I-O-N. Kabam. Excellent. And all the interviews we did for Moshpit will be on Moshpit Backstage Podcasts. On, so that's the podcast we mentioned just before, so check that out. Kaboom. And uh, there is another episode of Rock Capital, the episode one. So check that out too and let us know what you think. My name is Stefan. This is Rock Capital. See you later. Bye.